Welcome to the All About Alts podcast, where we explore the world of alternative investing to help you find financial independence. Join our host, Newview Trust's president, Jason DeBono, as he covers a variety of topics with different guest speakers to discuss tax and alternative investing strategies. It is never too late to start taking control of your financial future, and we are so excited for you to be joining us for this opportunity to hear from some of the best in the business. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the All About Alts podcast. I am your host, Jason DeBono, joined with not only an old friend, but also uh, a good friend that helped us kick off season one. And here we are uh, as we embark into season two. Greg Cohen from JWB Real Estate Capital. Greg, how are you, man? Buddy, I am great. Thank you so much. I didn't know that I was going to get to kick off both seasons here. What uh, what an honor, man. Thank you, bud. We're, we're excited to have you back. And it's only fitting uh, as you helped us kick the show off uh, a little over, I guess, almost a year ago now. Uh, it's crazy, you know, to see the growth and and really in, in both from a business standpoint, but also just in, uh, you know, the things we've talked about and some of the things with different guests throughout the year. Um, it, it It's really cool. You know, we started this podcast with the idea really of just helping bring some info about alt investment strategies and, and tax opportunities. Um, and man, we have covered a lot of ground and and we're coming back full circle, uh, I think, to, to someone that's been in this space a long, long time. And uh, I would say probably one of the handful of firms that we know that that really has been, you know, dealing with both alternative investments, real estate, and IRAs before any of it was cool. So uh, <laughs> good, uh, good to have you back, Greg, and and good to see you. Everything going well? Everything's great, man. I know, you know, you and I go so far back. It's funny to think about when we started. I know we were kind of the the young, the younger crew getting into this game. I think we both started in our early twenties, and uh, and now I know, you know, I, I've eclipsed forty. Not sure about you. You always look so good over there. So I'm not sure about you, but um, but now we're getting older and older and older and wiser. And you know, I, I'm I'm excited to be able to share some stuff with your your audience here. But more importantly, it's it's just been such a wonderful relationship with New View. Um, you know, over a decade, and you can't really say that between two businesses to share so much mutual business together and span you know close to getting close to two decades now. Um, really, really special. So thanks again. Yeah, and it, you know, I love I love the longevity because while we are getting some gray hairs and and uh, yeah, I too have eclipsed that uh, that forty mark. Uh, we're not the babies that we were when we started, and and I think not only are we getting wiser, the marketplace has really forced our hand a little bit. And you know, we're in a unique side uh, from a new view standpoint because we custody a little bit of everything, and we talk about alts in you know a variety of of ways. And so you know, real estate is a piece of the puzzle. Uh, in the alt world. And we see, you know, everything else. And we've seen investments come and go. And we've seen investments that look better today than they did yesterday. And we've seen asset classes that that don't look as good today. But what we've learned through that process is when we come back to real estate over the right amount of time in the right market and doing the right things, uh, there is really no better asset class to navigate through ups and downs. And and it's crazy to think that when we when we talked a year ago, you know, we were talking about interest rates rising. We neither, neither of us, you know, thought they would rise as high as they have. And yet here we are now, you know, Fed uh, Fed announced today, you know, right after the new year that, you know, they, they do think that the hikes are done. And now they're talking about, again, you know, rate or dropping rates here in 2024. So kind of an interesting time. So, yeah, these gray hairs, maybe the last couple of years, being in the real estate world, we've gotten a few more. Maybe a few are tied to our kids. Certainly, none are tied to our spouses. 
Um, but when we when we go back and look, you know, how's this last year been from a journey standpoint for you guys, and and how have you guys navigated? Um, you know, and 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 maybe just pause for one second as well. G give the group a quick primer. I, I know we've got some some repeat listeners that have been with us since day one. We've got a lot of new listeners along the way. So maybe just start with a quick overview of, of JWB Real Estate Capital, what you guys do, how you're in the real estate market, because you got a, a few different irons in the fire. And then, yeah, we'll kind of repick up that question about what's this last year look like? Absolutely. Well, so JWB Real Estate Capital is is uh, our firm. We started 18 years ago, actually, just in a, in a few days here. We'll celebrate our 18th birthday. So, um, And we built our firm on the belief that real estate is an asset class that people want to have in their portfolio, but they just don't know how to do it. And so our entire business is here to make investing in real estate easy for busy professionals, for entrepreneurs, for those who probably at some point have said, hey, listen, I know that I've seen people be successful owning real estate because of those attributes that you just talked about, Jason, but they just, maybe they lived in the wrong market. Maybe they lived in California or New York where home prices are so high, or maybe they're so busy that they couldn't learn how to do it. Uh, and by the way, who wants to be a property manager as well? So maybe they just didn't want to have that experience. Uh, well, those folks have to come to JWB. Uh, we build a real estate portfolio for them. It's all professionally managed and it's all uh, under one roof. So get to deliver really wonderful returns for clients. But even more than that, it's an experience that you just can't get typically in real estate. And unfortunately, that's what most uh, keeps most people away from investing in the first place. Well, and and one of the things I love, you know, and, and there's so many buzzwords in investing, right? And and you know, it's self storage today, and and it's assisted living years ago, and you know, and just and that's okay. That's part of investing, and and people move from you know asset classes inside of asset classes. What I love is is you know you said who wants to to manage properties, and considering you manage over six thousand of them, I, I think it's fair to say you do. Um, but what's cool is you guys were really in the build to rent space before build to rent was even a buzzword. And so, you know, talk a little bit about what that means when you say you build a portfolio. Like, I think it's still even with build to rent and, and this idea of, of um, you know, the marketplace saying rent is, is more important. So let's build communities do that. You guys have been doing that for years. Yeah, what's that mean? yeah you know, so it was geez, 2011 when we came across the the idea of buying land building a brand new construction home and then renting that home to uh to a resident to a tenant you may call them a tenant we call them a resident because they end up staying so long uh with us uh and producing this wonderful asset that then we could sell to our investor clients and you know at that time prior uh we like many investors only bought renovated homes and they did the same process. And we said, well, geez, back in 2011, again, home prices were at their lowest point and land prices were at their lowest point and nobody was building. So labor was inexpensive. And we figured out that we could create this model and ultimately have a better product uh, and a better experience for our resident as well as our investor client. And so we kind of stumbled upon this. It was our first foray into it. It was about 40 new construction homes that we did the build to rent model in here in Jacksonville, which is where we're based. And we knew we really stumbled upon something that um, could create a lot of really great impact uh, across many different um, sectors of the of the client base and the resident base. And so we continued to build that out and build that out. And 
now, geez, you know, 12 years since then, 13 years since then, um, it has become a foundation of how we actually build these portfolios for our clients. So we still do renovations. There's really nothing wrong with a renovation as long as you do a professional renovation like we do. But the majority of our inventory is actually brand new construction. So if somebody wants to be able to invest in real estate and they're a busy professional and they live in California, they can work with JWB over a series of phone calls. Uh, we'll bring that client on board. And then we have brand new construction homes that we've already built. They're already filled with a resident. And that property management is, of course, done uh, by us for the long haul. And we get to simply just sell that asset or a, a portfolio of three or five or 10 assets uh, to that client. And it, they're completely hands off and they're completely passive. So it all started back in 2011. Uh, it was before it became the build to rent phenomenon that you now know it's before Wall Street and the hedge fund guys and gals all got into it. Um, we were this uh, relatively small firm back in 2011 and the, the Wall Street Journal actually put us on the front page of the Wall Street Journal in 2013 when they kind of said, hey, what's this uh, what's this outfit in Jacksonville doing? And it's fun to look back now a decade later and see that all the big, big guys, you know, finally caught on. Well, somebody's got to be a first mover. And and uh, I love, uh, Greg, that it was you and, and JWB, because I think it really is. Um, it's a niche that that is needed. And and 2013, it was needed because it was opportunistic. Today, it's needed because the marketplace demands it. Um, and that's a really cool space to be in where the product need, even in the face of mounting interest rates and in the face of slowing real estate transactions and volume, all of those which are not bad things, they're normal market cycles. But to see that that asset class within an asset class that while certainly may have be impacted to some degree by some of the, the, the marketplace conditions, but it navigated through it really unscathed where other asset classes in the real estate space haven't been able to fare so well or, or have faced bigger challenges. So, um, you know, if we take that model and we say, okay, you know, this idea of build to rent, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people kind of keeps a lot of people out of real estate it's not just the management, it's also the repairs and the things that come with that. And not to say that you can't have repairs on newer construction properties because things can go wrong. But really, you know, you're providing almost like active real estate ownership in a truly passive investment manner. And I think that's one of the things we talk about a lot on this show over the last year is that, you know, you can be completely passive, right? You can invest into blind pools or into investments where you're you're one of a thousand investors and you know that they own a couple of apartment buildings or a couple of self-storage facilities or some, uh, you know, amalgam of, of, of the both. But what you don't know really is like, what does it really look like in build to rent? And, and really in the build to rent model, you actually have one address, you know, the house, you know, where it's physically located, you know, the, the, the demographic of the, the, the renters, you know, all of those things. And it's so, but at the same time, it's really sit back, relax and enjoy the ride. Right. And, and again, not to say things can't go wrong or won't go wrong that need attention, but, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I think from a listener standpoint, we, we have a lot of people that we see over the years that, you know, they want to be all in, like, I want to roll my sleeves up, give me the hammer and, and I'm going to go be a real estate investor. And other people are like, whoa, I got money. I don't have time. So you've kind of bridged that gap even more so than some of these big funds um, have done in the build to rent space, because a lot of the build to rent that a lot of people are talking about is big communities, right? You still don't know who the tenants are. You still don't quite know the demographic. In this world, I could buy five properties and know all five addresses and the names of all five of my tenants. So 
how do you kind of see that and, and how do you see that continuing to progress? And how's that looked over the last few years in the face of just the marketplace? Yeah, you know, what we're describing here is direct ownership. And direct ownership has positives when we talk about potential return on investment. It also has positives on the experience side as well. A lot of times the direct ownership model gets um, maybe a black eye, especially on the experience side, but we'll kind of dive into maybe why that happens and what you can do to protect yourself against that. But on the positive side, on the on the return on investment side, if you own this asset or those five assets that you, you know those addresses, you know, you think about what's happened over the last three years and the home price appreciation that's happened on those specific assets. If you worked with the right provider in the right market and you knew that you were putting yourself in a position to succeed, uh, the returns on investment for five individual assets that were primed, let's say in Jacksonville with JWB, for example, um, did much better than a pool of assets that might have gone across the entire country or might have gone across five markets. And so you have the upside there when you can get a little bit more specific on where you're working and where you're building your portfolio that you can see outsized returns. And a lot of our clients in Jacksonville have been able to do that specifically because they own these assets directly. Another thing to think about is on the lending side, when you have direct ownership, you have better lending options as well. So again, you know, that helps create a better return on investment. So direct ownership is really an opportunity to see outsized returns. The fund model is more of kind of like a, a hedge model, right? You're, you have a lot of different assets and typically a lot of different places. Um, and then on the experience side, if you work with the right provider, you can make this experience positive. You know, like you said, Jason, you know, it's real estate. It's investing in rental properties. It's not perfect. There are things that are going to go wrong. But if you work with a team that manages thousands of rental properties and has been in the game for 18 years, you know, they have seen everything there is to be seen. They have a system and a process and training and wonderful teammates to be able to handle those things that, you know, maybe uh, are surprising. You know, at the end of the day, we're renting to families that live in our homes for four or five years. And if you're like my family or like any family, weird things happen in houses in four or five years. So, you know, that's the, the nature and the business that we're in. We can't change necessarily that those things may or may not happen, but what we can really have an impact on is the experience for you. And if we can kind of remove the emotion from being an owner of property and, and thinking about it as our house, our resident, and just simply think about it as an investment and look at the dollars and the numbers behind it. And if there's a team that can solve any of those challenges that come along the way, then this really can be that opportunity to create access for you as an investor that you might not otherwise have if you didn't have direct ownership. Again, a fund model, uh, which is the alternative, usually is pretty restrictive for who can actually take advantage of that. You have to be an accredited investor many times. You have to make serious amounts of money. And when you go to direct ownership and you work with a vertically integrated company, you can be a non-accredited investor. You don't have to hit some of those really high thresholds as well. So, you know, a big thing that motivates me and motivates our team and one of the reasons I love our direct ownership model is because it, it creates an opportunity to give access to everyday investors to take advantage of this asset class. And for so many reasons, there have been barriers for people to be able to not do it. 
And that's unfortunately why many people only have the traditional assets in their uh, financial portfolios. And another reason why I love working with you and NewView and everything that we do to share the shed the light on alternative investments, it's like there is a better way. Um, and the traditional way is not the only way. These types of assets deserve a seat at the table. And that's one thing that we're able to provide. Well, and I, you know, I think you hit on probably the biggest key takeaway for me when I hear that, that, that a lot of people struggle with is they want to be in real estate. They like real estate, but they view real estate as another job. It, it's an, it's a part-time job and, and there is a way to do all of the things in real estate without being in a fund. Not that there's anything wrong with the fund model. It's just a different model. It's kind of like buying a stock versus buying a mutual fund. Right. And, and again, both of those have their pros and cons for the right type of investor. But, you know, if you can pick your real estate and you've got a moderate, um, you know, understanding and appetite to do so, um, that direct ownership model can prove to be very valuable, especially if you can cut out really the, the biggest headaches of owning real estate, which is the maintenance and upkeep. And so you've got to accept it's going to be there, but make sure you've got a team to be able to kind of help service that. And I, I think it's such a great, it knocks down the greatest barrier to entry to real estate for many um, because the fund model doesn't work for most investors because they're not accredited or they don't have the access to it. So to be able to give access to everybody, right? And everybody can invest and own direct and have a turnkey asset is a pretty cool place to be. Yeah, I love it, man. And, you know, like you mentioned, this has been a it's been an interesting last few years in real estate. I feel like we together have lived 10 lifetimes in the 18 or so years that we've been doing this. I mean, we started, what's, did you start, what, what year did you start? 2005, 2005, 2005 for you. Yeah. 2006 for me. And so, you know, from 2006 to 2007, I started to invest in uh, rental properties and a number of different places. And then of course the um, you know, the great financial, um, the global financial crisis happened, the great recession happened and real estate prices plummeted. And I learned so much through that. And, and I learned the value of assets that produce positive income, no matter what the market value of that home yep. is. And, you know, I still own those assets today. So that was a great lesson there. And I, of course, continued to stockpile rental properties and we own over 400 rental properties as a company now. And, you know, we practice what we preach. We believe in these things. And then, of course, we we saw a new curveball with the pandemic. And, you know, I, it brought back so many memories for me of what it meant, felt like to go through the Great uh, Recession. Because at the Great Recession, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience at that point. I was still 23, 24 years old. And we had just started to get into investing on our own. Um, but I knew the fundamentals and I knew how the mark, the longer that you held assets that pay for themselves, you were in a better position to win, no matter what happened as far as pricing. And I remember that. And I remember how consistent rents were. And so I had a lot of confidence as we went through the great recession and those rental properties performed really, really well. Well, as we went to the pandemic, there was a little bit of fear as we all had at that time, but I went back to the fundamentals. And what I realized is that single family rents across the country have never declined on record in any year. And I also realized that even though we didn't know exactly what was going to happen with the pandemic, that supply was very low in housing. And so 
you know, when we looked at the pandemic, I, we had confidence and we said, I don't exactly know how this is going to work across all assets, but what I'm pretty confident in is that real estate is going to perform better than most. And what of course transpired is it performed the best. Um, you know, home prices went up dramatically, rents went up dramatically, and we all know what happened there. So now as uh, I think about 2022 into 2023, and now as we're into 2024, I think about the interest rates conversation. And, you know, it, again, I go back to those things that I learned over the last, you know, 18 years. And, you know, even as the world was saying interest rates are going up, they're going up and that home, the number of home sales are going down, which they did. They all said that home prices were going to crash. And there were articles and talking heads about home prices going to crash. And we were one of the only outfits to say, we don't see that happening in 2023. And it was, again, because of the low supply. Uh, so, you know, at each one of these monumental inflection points in the real estate world, you know, just going back to the same fundamentals of consistency in this asset class and how that creates a high floor for pricing and just how, how unusual it would be for home prices to actually decline and how rents never have declined across the country. It creates this foundation, this consistency, this stability that I think people are craving in their financial portfolio. So, you know, that's been uh, it's been interesting for sure over the last few years. But like I said, it's you know, you have a lot of confidence when you've been through it so many times, maybe in a slightly different form. But at the end of the day, this asset class continues to perform. It's a critical need. People need housing. The government needs housing to work. And more often than not, that's why you see it perform so well. Well, certainly the the story of resiliency over the years and, um, you know, in, in the wake of all of the things that you would think would be catastrophic and uh, even going back and and I think, you know, we were all, not that we have anything figured out, it's, it's uh, you know, the world is still a fluid place and we're trying to figure things out as we go and that's part of growth and development. But if I go back to 2008 and 9 and 10, you know, that's when it was like the sky was still falling. Um, and the one thing I kept coming back to was we had clients, right? And, and we had our, you know, I had my own properties and while you look at the face value and you go, well, that's not good. You know, what you look at, the reason you bought it was the monthly income. Right. And that never changed. Um, you know, and there were some times where maybe you, you had a little longer gap between tenants or you had, you know, uh, people that couldn't pay from a payroll standpoint. So there were some challenges, but overall, rents were still similar and the ability to rent the property was still pretty good. And so when you look at that same model and say, well, if my portfolio was all in equities, right? When equities go down, what's the first thing that goes? Dividends, right? Yeah. If it even has one. And so I've got this asset that's not producing anything for me. And so I'm just in this waiting game and there's nothing wrong with buy and hold and there's nothing wrong with being long, but I like to be, I want to be long in my investments while still making money. And, and I think real estate uh, you know, has just proven to be so resilient and and even in in the in the face of COVID and even in the face of all these things that could have created a, a lot more challenges and interest rate, especially because COVID wasn't a real estate based issue, right? That was a health issue that we just everyone economically wasn't sure how to manage it, but that was never a real estate issue. Rising interest rates is a real estate issue 100 percent. And the fact that in the face of rising interest rates, while there are some markets that have seen some declines, overall, real estate has 
stood tall through it. And so, uh, you know, is that enough to say it'll stand tall forever? Who knows, right? It's still an investment. It still comes with risk. And um, but I look back over the last 20 years and say, I like my odds in real estate. Exactly. I like my odds. So, well, I, I I love the story of JWB. I love what you guys not just have have done, but what you are doing. Um, I want to kick us over to our quirky question of the day because I want to to kick into the second half of the show. I know you've got a big event coming up. We've got a big event coming up. I want to talk about both of those, uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about what are we seeing, right? So, so get that crystal ball out while uh, while we're doing the quirky questions, and and we're going to talk about what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you. Uh, Remember, if you do have quirky questions, email those to Maggie with a Y at newviewtrust.com and we'll get those read aloud. Um, but these are always my funnest part of the show. Greg, you have been through this once, but uh, as we've brought on more listeners, I think we've we've definitely kicked up the quirky question side of it. So, all right. Question number one. What's a hobby you want to try, but you haven't? You know, it's funny that you asked that question. I was skiing with my family this week, uh, this a couple of weeks ago for, for the holidays. And, um, you know, I should share with you that we are not avid skiers. I have an 11 year old and nine year old and they had never skied before. And my wife had never skied before. And so, and I haven't skied in 10 years, but I started to think about how cool it would be to do that helicopter ski, that heli skiing where they drop you down from the helicopter <laughs> and then just go down the face of the mountain. So I'd love to try that. I'd love to be, you know, good enough to potentially do that. So there we go. Hella skiing, if that's what it's called. You know, Greg, what I love is, is this is just how, how you, you know, the world of an entrepreneur and the way you think you're ready to take your family from the bunny slopes to the hella skiing, <laughs> you know, like let's not even focus on getting to the blues and then the blacks and the double blacks. We're just going to go in a helicopter, drop us somewhere on a mountain uh, we're not worried about the avalanche that we may create and and may catch up to us. Like we're just going to do it. So when you're in, you're all in. I love it. There you go. All right. Well, th- maybe we'll know the answer to this. So road trip, airplane or car? I would love to go in a car and have somebody else drive. <laughs> chauffeured car. Yeah. Like a chauffeured like van. I want to go across the country. I just don't want to do the drive. I always have to do the driving. So if I have to do the driving, I'm flying. If I can do the the road trip thing and have have it chauffeured, I'm going to I'll go there. I'll go to every baseball stadium. We'll just we'll just pack up the family. We'll just live in the truck. I love it. Well, and and I you know not to I think we always agree on a lot of stuff. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. Um, I'm with you. I I if I'm in a car, I'm driving, and and I just want to drive. I probably because I'm a control freak. Um, but. Uh, I, I'm with you. I want to get on an airplane if I'm going more than three hours because I just don't want to drive. Yeah. Um, even though I want to drive, it's a silly conundrum that that I create. It sounds like you do as well. So, um, did you drive or fly skiing? We flew. Yeah, we flew up to Pittsburgh. So a little bit too far for me to drive. All right. Question number three: If you could live in any time period, past, present, future, where are you going? Oh man. Uh, one of my big initiatives this year is to be living more in the present. I talk a lot about that with my wife and with my kids and living in the present. So I'm going to go with living in the present. I love everything. Yeah. The opportunity that we have. I mean, if I'm going, 
you know, just thinking about the world that we live in today compared to the world that we lived in just five years ago, the opportunities that we have to be able to do so much good in this world and the tools that we have today that we just couldn't even think about five years ago or 10 years ago. Um, and I think right now we're still in this place where we, um, we're, we're figuring it out. So we still have enough of the, the knowledge and the experience and, and the compassion for the world prior to all of these tools that we, we, you know, we can easily keep that compassion uh, angle. Uh, so I'm going with present and, uh, you know, maximizing what uh, all the wonderful things we can do today. I love that, Greg. I, I do. And, you know, the pandemic was incredibly hard on on so many people and so many families. Um, but if we strip away and, and say, let's try to find some good out of it, I think it did remind us all, um, whether it be loss of life and you realize that too many people left this earth a little too young and, and you know, what check boxes did they not check? Um, and, and for those of us that were fortunate enough to, to maybe not have the, the, the same issues on the health side, you know, we were home a little bit more. We realized that, you know what, I don't have to fly to this meeting and shake hands for, you know, and spend two hour, two days on the road for a two hour meeting. Zoom's going to get me there the same way. And so I, I, I love that. Um, and I think it did. It created an opportunity where we all can be present uh, a little bit more. And, and uh, yeah, it. It is uh, without a doubt. And I, I know these aren't for me, but I uh, having been a Yellowstone and, and 1883 and 19, you know, all these different shows. I don't know why deep down I, I want to go back to like the 1800s. I just yeah. think I don't know that I'd survive. I'm probably not cut out for it. You know, it's one of those I think I'm probably a little yeah. bit more like them than I really am. But uh, there's just something about loading everyone up in a wagon and just going. Um, and not knowing where you're going and what's along the way. And, and uh, I think there's a little bit of excitement there. But uh, I think about 30 seconds without air conditioning. And, and I'd be like, that's it. Agreed. Take me back to 2024. So Agreed. All right, Greg, you're off the hot seat. Thank you for, for continuing to submit quirky questions. Uh, we really appreciate it. Keep them coming. Uh, send them to Maggie uh, with a Y at newviewtrust.com. And we'll continue to put those on the list and get those read aloud. All right, Greg, let's bring it down the home stretch here and let's kind of close things out today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the event coming up that you guys have, and we can certainly talk about the event we've got coming up as well. And and the reason why I, I really want to talk about it, one is, is you know, call it shameless promotion because we're a speaker there and, and we're part of the event. So we, we want it to be great. But it's because I think education in this world, and you've been an educator in the 18 years you've been in this space, and we've been educators as a business in our 20 years. And so, you know, this show is about education. And so, you know, to me, live events are a way to not just go and learn, because you can learn in a lot of different facets, but it's the only way to go and build a network and talk to people that have been there, done that. Uh, and and really, you know, and it's something where when we wrap up the show, uh, every single week we talk about the learn before you burn. It's like, how do you get with the people where you get the lesson and the experience without having to actually go through the experience piece of it? So um, what's the event? Talk to us a little bit about that. How do we get involved and, and what can people expect? Yeah, so we're really excited. We're hosting our, our third annual uh, Not Your Average Investor Summit uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. And, um, you know, we're all about helping people see uh, a maybe a different lens of how to become an investor or how to be successful as an investor. And we talk a lot about being a not your average investor. And, you know, one of the angles that I try to show people is the best way to produce a, the best return on investment when it comes to investing in single family rental properties. And, you know, the data is pretty clear that single family rental properties are a wonderful asset. 
They're a consistent performer. They produce very well when it comes to return on investment. But if you can package that asset, a single family rental property, and put it next to a change agent in that market, the path of progress, something that is going to skyrocket rents and home prices, you have the opportunity to perform even better. You get the consistency that this asset class is known for. But if you can know what that next big pop is going to be, you, you have this incredible upside. And what the data shows is that the biggest pop, if you look across the country, comes from a downtown that is revitalizing. And if you look at some of the other successful downtowns in the country, like Denver, uh, Nashville, Austin, Texas, what you see is that home prices in those markets have gone up dramatically more than the average home price appreciation across the country. In fact, the data shows that in the last 10 years, you've seen an average of 23% more home price appreciation in those three markets that I talked about. And those three markets have revitalized now thriving downtowns. And so the question should be, well, if you know that you want to invest in single family rental properties, what's the next downtown? Well, Many people aren't aware yet, but Jacksonville is who we believe and what we believe is the next uh, burgeoning downtown. Many people don't know this, but there's $4 billion of investment going on. That was billion with a B, $4 billion of investment going on in downtown Jacksonville right now. And that the population in downtown Jacksonville has increased 60% in the last five years. And a lot of that $4 billion of construction hasn't actually become that population. That population is still going to be growing beyond that. And so when you start to see these leading indicators, what we want to be able to show people is not just what Jacksonville is doing right now, not just the projects that are going on right now, but what are you going to see in two years? What are you going to see in five years? And more importantly, how can you profit from it as an investor? So that's really what this Not Your Average Investor Summit is all about. Um, JWB has a significant investment in downtown as well. We've invested $68 million in downtown Jacksonville. We own 20 city blocks. That's the equivalent of 12% of the North Bank of downtown Jacksonville. So we're all in on downtown. We want to share this vision with everybody else, all of our investor clients, and those who want to see what it's like to be part of that revitalization of a downtown. So I want to invite um, all of you to come and join us. Uh, tickets cost $139, uh, but because of our relationship with uh, with the NewView team, we do have a special code. So if you'd like to be a part of this experience, you'll want to go to jwbsummit.com. That's jwbsummit.com. And that special promo for our NewView friends is NewView99. If you go and just simply put NewView99 in there, uh, the ticket cost drops to $99 for uh, for all of our friends. And we are only limiting it to 100 investors. I know it's going to sell out. So would encourage all of you to just uh, come and be a part of it. I know you're going to be you know, pretty impressed with downtown Jacksonville. And of course, see the investments that you can take advantage of with JWB um, and get to meet the team. Awesome. Well, you know, Greg, we're, uh, we're excited to be there as well. Um, I think it's something that, you know, for us, we, we too uh, learn at, at all the events that we get to participate in. And, and I think there's, you know, always a handful of events that are difference makers in the way that they deliver and execute. Uh, and and give people information. And so I, we've participated with you guys in the past and always felt like there's something to be gained out of it. So uh, 99 bucks is a small investment uh, in knowledge and and hands-on, you know, understanding. And, you know, I, whether it's it's the JWV event or any other 
if you're sitting on the sidelines, right, you're probably thinking about your New Year's resolutions. What am I going to do different? If there's one thing that I think every investor that that has found success in any sort of alternative, but real estate being kind of the the, the one that we talk about the most, it is building a network. It's building a network with the right people. And um, if if all you do is spend 99 bucks to go and, and learn and and build your network, it's a great starting point. More can and should and hopefully will come out of every event that you attend. But uh, if that's your resolution, jump all over it. Um, and, and you know, those events are, are so big. And Greg's also going to be speaking at our AltsCon event uh, coming up. And, and that's a big event for us. We we. Um, it's a two-day action-packed deal. We bring in people uh, from all over the investing community. We'll have about ten to fifteen different speakers. We'll have about thirty or forty different vendors, uh, and and you know hundreds of people there, all geared with the same thing. Um, you know, how do we learn, right? How do we network? How do we grow our wealth? How do we grow our network? And all through that process, whether you're uh, taking your first step and, and it may be a baby step or whether you're taking a giant leap or whether you're already in the game and you just want to get better and, and kind of sharpen the pencil a bit, all of those, uh, you know, reasons are good from an educational standpoint. So uh, all the information for AltsCon uh, we'll, we'll put on the screen as well. And, and you'll hear that uh, through throughout uh, each of our episodes of the podcast as we talk with uh, more of the speakers that are going to be participating. So, Greg, let, let's talk a little bit about maybe kind of the the upcoming educational stuff on both sides of the fence here. You know, what are you seeing? I mean, you talked about downtown Jacksonville and and certainly your reference to downtown and kind of how that does create an economic engine for real estate and not just the downtown, but the city as a whole. What are you seeing, you know, maybe just overall uh, as we've started to see rates cool off, I think we're, we're seeing the lowest, you know, home mortgage rates than we've seen in 12 months or something similar. You know, the stats better than I do. But um, what what are we seeing and, and what's it look like from from the really the the uh, the front seat? Well, what we've been trying to share with folks is that you feel like the Fed did as much as they possibly could to tamp down real estate. Uh, because their ultimate goal was to tamp down inflation and real estate and rents are a big part of the inflation equation. So the Fed, the Fed did as much as they possibly could. They raised rates at the fastest rate in over 40 years. I mean, what more could they do? They raised, you know, long-term interest rates almost to 8% and they were at, you know, three and a half percent, you know, a year, year and a half before. I mean, that is, that is some serious work to try to tamp down real estate and, you know, all that really happened is real estate was largely flat. It increased a little bit. It certainly didn't decline. So you got to think about the other side of that. If we all know that rates are going to come down at some point, think about how low supply must be, how, how good the dynamics must be for home price appreciation to be happening, where the Fed did as much as they could for it to not happen. And all it did was just flatten out prices. Right. And if you look over history, when the Fed actually does decrease interest rates substantially, like a percent or even a little bit more than a percent, if they if they decrease those, you got to look at what home prices do and they go up substantially. And so that's what we expect to happen. I don't know when interest rates are going to go down, but I know that they're going to go down because that's what the Fed wants. That's what's good for the economy. And when that happens, there's still going to be a supply shortage in real estate. And so what we expect is what has happened over the course of history is as interest rates go down, you see more people 
going to buy. You see mortgage application numbers going up. You see more demand for housing. And, uh, and that's what we expect. So we expect home prices to go up. You know, if I look out three years from now, I expect home prices to be up significantly from where they are today. Now, the path to actually getting there, I don't know what it looks like because I still don't know what the Fed is going to do. And I don't know how all this turmoil in the world is going to play out. Um, and it's largely based on what the Fed's actions are. If the Fed was to lower interest rates like they have, um, or excuse me, like they're speaking about doing, um, then, and we have interest rates decline like they have recently, then you could see significant home price appreciation in 2024. If the Fed keeps them high for a long period of time, then you might have flat home prices. Um, we don't know in the short run, and I think it's risky to make you know, predictions over the next 12 months, because who knows what's going on in this world, to be quite honest. But one thing I feel really confident about is give yourself a little bit of time in this asset class and home prices and rents are going to be significantly higher than they, what they are today. And, you know, you can't always say that about a whole lot of asset classes. You know, not every asset class performs so consistently. So that's what we're seeing. I'm, I'm along for the ride, just like everybody else, as far as what the Fed is doing. But I'll tell you, it's felt really nice uh, over the last two months to see that even though the Fed hasn't dropped the Fed funds rate, our long-term interest rates have come down. And that's a factor of the, the overall market believing that that is an end of the really high uh, Fed funds rate and really high interest rate environment. Well, you know, I I I, uh, I love the the comment about being along for the ride because there is no crystal ball, and and if we had one, we'd probably all be a little too scared to actually look into it. Um, but you know, what is amazing about real estate? I mean, it, it's such a long investment that you can exit, um, you know, if you need to and want to. So that's one beauty. You're not committed, but you typically should be buying it with with a thought process of being long. No, no different than a stock. You know, really, the only time you ever buy and sell any asset quickly uh, is if you feel like you got such a great deal on it that that the value is is already been achieved. But otherwise, it is it is meant to be long. And I think real estate also keeps us from being uh, a little bit too emotional about our investments. And so, you know, I I can say as someone that that does a tremendous amount of education on being a you know a savvy investor, um, you know, I sold Netflix, Amazon, and Apple in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, and boy, I look like a real, you know, idiot watching those all hit record highs of nearly doubling within six months. And so, um, you know, but if I look at the real estate I owned, I didn't sell any of it. Right. And so and 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 I was a winner across the board. And so, um, you know, you have to remind yourself. The only reason I didn't sell is because it's harder to sell. Right. And and so I think real estate gives us that edge. And and so I can't encourage people enough to to look. The other thing I love, and you know, I always tend to kind of not think about it, and I think a lot of people don't, is we look at real estate as really being price. And you know, I think you've got three ways to arbitrage the real estate market because you've got the price, right? There's appreciation and hopefully it goes up, but that's really encapsulated in the asset. So you don't need it until you need it, right? And so it can go up or down. It's less important, but overall you want to see growth. You've got rent arbitrage, certainly, right? We want to rent it for more than we're paying for it, whatever the, the expenses um, you know, are. And then you've got interest arbitrage. And I think we're in a world now where you may be able to capture that interest arbitrage in a really good way. And, you know, while it doesn't feel good to pay six and a half percent interest on an asset when when you know that other people have paid three uh, percent for the same asset, that's temporary. 
Exactly. And if rates go down and property values go up, not only can you refinance to a lower rate, but you can refinance with the ability to even cash out and use that money uh, to go out and put that to work. So, um, you know, there, there's so many strategies. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about those uh, at, at the upcoming event. Uh, and so hopefully, uh, you know, some of the listeners here take advantage of that or, or we meet them uh, at AltCon when uh, when we put AltCon on. That'll be an exciting time. Greg, I want to close things out here. Uh, and uh, and first of all, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for everything that you do. Not only do you guys, you know, help people enter and, and manage the real estate market, but you do incredible work in the community. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't know. And, and just having known you guys and been good friends for so long, you know, what you guys have done in, in Jacksonville to, to build houses for people and veterans to, to go out and, and really revitalize neighborhoods and keep them up. And that doesn't seem like a big deal, but there's such a social impact to being a good real estate manager because you can be a, lum, a slumlord, you know, and, and keep houses in disrepair, in disrepair, but you guys do the opposite. You build nice houses in neighborhoods that need nice houses. You take houses in disrepair and make them nice houses, but you keep them that way. Uh, and then what you guys are doing in partnering with the city of Jacksonville and, and different economic groups to revitalize an area that has lost its way, um, but has started to, to find footing is, is so cool. So thank you, Greg, uh, for all of those things. Uh, any last parting words on your end before we get your learn before you burn and close out? You know, I just uh, I, I love what you talked about uh, as far as the power of the network. And I think coming to AltCon is going to be a wonderful experience, uh, not just to learn the wonderful things that the speaker is going to be able to share with you, but to be able to network with the entire New View team and all of those speakers teams and the JWB team. We've been a sponsor of the event for multiple years now, and it's just such a wonderful opportunity to build that network. So I'm excited that you guys are going to be a part of our event. Can't wait for us to be a part of your event. And I can't wait for folks to be able to be in a room with so many people that can do so much good. Awesome. Well, the show notes um, will have uh, links, promo codes, and everything for for both events. So definitely take a look there and uh, and make sure that you're clicking through and and uh, finding out if the dates line up and and if they do, uh, yeah, put in the work and effort to get there. It'll be worth your time, Greg. Yeah, you you may not remember from last time, but we end every show the same way with our learn before you burn. This is where you know in your 18 years of experience, I'm sure you've touched the hot stove a few times and. Uh, you got both the lesson with the experience, uh, fortunately and unfortunately at the same time. But what, what's an experience that we can all get through you uh, while still may, hopefully retaining the lesson without touching the hot stove? Oh, man, I didn't think about this one ahead of time. You know, um, you know, I remember one of the, the most painful lessons we learned as a company was as soon as we got a little bit of success, and I'm going back to maybe 2012, we um, we immediately we worked so hard to have some success. We worked for six, seven years to be able to have some success. And I remember 2012 was such a great year for us. And we sold a couple hundred homes and it was felt like we really kind of accomplished something that we had set out for so far, so long to do. And then as soon as we did that in 2012, we automatically started to think that it was just easy to be successful in doing something that was maybe not the same thing we were doing, but just slightly different maybe just adjacent to what we were doing. And then all of a sudden it became like six adjacent things that we were doing. And by 2014, you know, we tried to become the one-stop shop of real estate and we had to learn a tough lesson. We've only had one layoff in our company history. Um, and it wasn't during the pandemic. It wasn't during any of those times. It was self-inflicted. And it was because we tried to become too many things and we lost our way. In 2014, we had to lay off uh, seven people on our team. 
And I still remember that day. It was the worst day of my career. Um, so I guess the lesson that, that I have always taken from that is to be very focused on what makes you great and stick to your hedgehog to steal a term from Jim Collins book, uh, good to great talks about the hedgehog. So that's a very real thing at JWB. We we're thankful for the opportunity that we're, that we have to be able to make an impact, but we're very cognizant of what allows us to do that. And that is our hedgehog. Um, and, uh, by, by doing that, focusing on that we will be able to make sure that we're here for the next 18 years and 36 years and, and whatnot, being able to have that opportunity. Well, having been through similar situations in, in, in our new view career and, and what we do, um, I, I couldn't, you know, that advice is so sound and, and it is, it's a lesson that, uh, it's worse than touching the hot stove. Cause it, it's not only is it painful, um, but you, the problem doesn't just go away overnight and, and it takes a lot of work and effort to, you know, course correct and and not course correct a little to the left or a little to the right, but truly course correct. And uh, Glenn uh, Mather, who founded New View, you know, one of his things he always says is uh, nothing gets in the way of great success like some success. Yeah. And, you know, it, I can't help but think about that same quote because it's so true. And, and you think, well, when everything's going right, nothing can go wrong. And uh, it's a very humbling reminder when you start stepping outside of that you know, what made you great uh, and what you've been working so hard and think that whatever you touch will turn to gold. Uh, that, that's a real tough lesson. So thanks for sharing that, Greg. Uh, and if, if you're hearing that and you feel like, hey, new year, what should be on my resolution list? Certainly stay in your lane, right? And if you're not in the right lane, find a new lane. There's nothing wrong with that, but you can't be in 10 lanes at once. Mm -hmm. uh, so be good at a few things, not uh, everything. So Greg, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always good to see you, buddy. Really appreciate you being on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll see you here uh, in, a, in, I guess, maybe a few weeks uh, up in Jacksonville uh, and then here in Orlando for AltCon. Absolutely, man. It's, it's a special friendship, special partnership that we have. So I'm, I'm very appreciative. I didn't mention the date for uh, the summit, uh, the Not Your Average Investor Summit, but it is February 16th and February 17th here in, in Jacksonville. And certainly hope to see all of you there. Well, I know I'll be there, Greg. Looking forward to it, man. Have a happy new year to you and your family and your businesses and keep doing what you guys are doing. We appreciate it. You too, bud. Thanks, man. All right, Greg. We'll see you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope the information within this podcast has given you the tools that you need to find your way to financial independence. We would love to partner with you on this journey. Text ALTS, that's A-L-T-S, to 407 708 1853 to learn more about how to get started today. Don't forget to follow us to make sure you don't miss a second of content and we'll see you next week.